CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Thursday morning, September 12, 2019, the now. Beating the Book Podcast, Megapod. Week two in the National Football League, it's Gil Alexander. And in case you missed it last week, the new crew on my right, the conciliary to Derek Stevens over at Circus Sports. He's the vice president of operations there and knows all things about the Circa Million Contest, among other things. It's our friend Mike Palm. Thank you, Mike, for being here, sir. It's an honor and a pleasure to, to join you and especially Todd Wishnev. Todd Wishnev, who is our other guest on the left here. He's the star, one of the stars of Showtime's docuseries Action. You may hear him on VEASAN as well. As Mike just said, Todd Wishnev. Hello, Todd. Hi, guys. <laughs> so let me just say this about last week. A couple things. One, it was the highest rated week one megapod of all time. So kudos to you two. This will be the real test, right? Week two. See if they continue to listen to you guys after week one i'm sure they will uh the other thing is mike you were accused of breathing heavily last week you were not breathing heavily it was just where apparently the mic was being held correct i think so there's some background noise in the office with uh, running water in the pipes and, and that so we've moved to a different office so hopefully that corrects that and nobody thinks i'm a pervert all right well thank god for that and todd is not in la so we can actually hear everything that todd has to say as opposed to the first five minutes last week all right, so let's do this. Let us begin. First of all, let's review how our picks went last week. Uh, not so much, although, Todd, you were 2-1 in one in your best bets, and you also hit your teaser, did you not? Yes, indeed. All right, and Mike and I, not as lucky, uh, not, as, not as good, because and the reason I use the word lucky, we were 1-2 in our best bets, and we both missed our teaser, and much of that was because the Eagles and the Lions completely destroyed us. And the Lions collapse, I'm still not sure that actually happened. 
but but we did get the uh, the Thursday game right with the under, so that's the saving grace from week one. I knew you'd throw that in there. Todd, judges, does that count? Todd, is that part of the official uh, rankings? No, that's just wide left. That will not count. <laughs> will not count. Uh, before we get into this week, because we want to get our thoughts on Thursday night, then we're getting to our best bets. We'll also do the teaser of the week, uh, which I actually gave out on a numbers game this morning. I do want to get a Circa Million update, the Circa Sports Million full season contest, five picks against the spread. How many total participants were there in the end, and how many of those went 5-0, and oh, Mike? So we ended up with 1,875 participants. Because everything over 1,500 went back into the quarterly winners or the best score each month, each month, including this month of September, is worth $143,750. 16 cards went 5-0. and 16 entries went 5-0. and And here's the more shocking thing. 23 entries did not submit their picks. Oh, Jesus. Including one of our friends, Anthony Curtis, right? He admitted that he was one of them. He had three of the 23 that didn't turn him in. He was busy on his book, and he forgot about the deadline. And he called his partner up, uh, said, what do you like in these games? And he said, well, what did you submit? And he said, well, I'm just looking at him now. And the guy said, hey, it's 3.30. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so uh, oh, they're, they're 0 and 15 combined. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, 0-15 combined. They start out with 0-5s across the board. Uh, and say what those quarterly prizes were again, the four-week sprint and the five-week at the end of the year? Yeah, $143,750. Wow. All right. Didn't go so well for me because of the Lions and the Eagles, so I'm not going to win that first quarterly. I'm just going to tell you that. I'll take another and, shot. And, 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 and your favorite Belichickian uh, – Voice, uh, it's on to October. On, that's right. That's right. Uh, we're just here to. We're going to be on October. Um, obviously, Antonio Brown news. Great texts that uh, we don't necessarily have to repeat, but I'd love to at some point. Uh, we think he's playing for the Patriots this weekend, as far as we know. Me and Blanca laugh about this. The other big news was this morning: Sam Darnold. Adam Gase telling everybody, and we were talking about this on a numbers game live, that Adam Gase telling everybody, Sam Darnold's got mono, mononucleosis. Uh, I had that in college. That destroys you. Like, you have no energy. Um, and so he's gone for this Monday night against the Browns. We saw that game, which was at two and a half, being taken off the board. Then it came back in Vegas. Shout out to you guys in the Westgate, Mike. It came out at six and a half at the Westgate, which I thought was too much of a swing. You guys came out at five and a half. Then offshore, it came out four and a half uh, once they put it back up. And then that quickly moved back to six. Where are you now? Yeah, we moved from we took some bets at five and a half, and we're at six as well. And it's six pretty much everywhere on that game right yeah. now. Okay, let's start with the Thursday night game thoughts, Todd. Since we haven't heard from you, you're awfully quiet. Let us uh, begin with any thoughts. Carolina Panthers seven point favorites tonight, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. By the way, you were just talking about the Circa Million. The Circa Million uh, lines just came out, and they have six and a half for the uh, on the Circa contest for the Browns Jets. Mm, interesting. So. Just an interesting point. Now, yeah. as far as Tampa Bay and Carolina, uh, here's the thing. Carolina, to me, uh, we talked about this yesterday on a numbers game. Uh, Carolina, to me, gave away 14 points in the uh, early part of that game. Uh, in that Rams game, they could have easily won that game. Uh, so I kind of like them. The only problem is I don't like it all the way up here at seven points. It just seems too much for a divisional game. 
Tampa Bay had a game they could have won as well. Jameis threw two two pick sixes. I don't see him throwing two pick sixes the week after. He just threw two. He's probably going to be a lot more cautious. It'll probably be a lower type scoring game. So I don't really want any part of this game. Mike, your thoughts on this one tonight? Seven is a tough number. Uh, I leaned Panthers here. I agree with Todd. I had my, my biggest play on Sunday was actually the total in that Rams that Rams first half against Carolina. So I watched it very intently. I thought there was a bad call, Gil, on that turnover that was a it was a batted ball that that made it look like a lateral. I don't know how they didn't look at that and reverse that, but that gave the Rams first and goal. Really changed the complexion of that game. I thought Carolina played right with them. Um, I was concerned with Jameis's performance again with Tampa Bay, even bringing Bruce Arians in. He just can't seem to correct his turnover issues and boneheaded plays. I think the Panthers are the, the side here, but as Todd said, at seven, it's a tough play because now you have to win by two scores. If you were get, able to get it earlier at six or six and a half, probably a little bit of a lean, but it's a pass for me tonight. Yeah, I will tell you that it's a pass on the number for me. I will be using Carolina in my teaser of the week, though. Important of things to come. And to your points about everything that you guys just said, Jameis Winston, one touchdown, three picks, two of which were returned to the house last week in the Buccaneers loss to the Niners. 49ers had two interceptions all of last year. Picked off Jameis three times again, two to the house. Jameis going to Jameis, as they like to say. And then uh, Carolina in their loss to the Rams, and Todd was able to watch this game twice on the shortcut. Christian McCaffrey fills up a box score like nobody else. 19 carries, 128 yards, two touchdowns, 10 receptions, 81 yards on top of that. But Cam Newton, there is an interesting thing about him. I mean, the one sort of pause that it gives me, the only reason I'm playing this Carolina on the tees as opposed to against the spread Cam Newton, costly backward pass that resulted in a fumble deep in Carolina territory, led to a Rams touchdown, also had a pick with 5.55 left in the game. that was, And he was held, by the way, to a career-low minus two yards rushing. Career-low, meaning he's probably not looking to run as much. That was always part of his, his weaponry. And uh, Rams linebacker Corey Littleton, I was mentioning this morning and yesterday on a numbers game, interesting quote, Cam is a readable guy. Littleton had 14 tackles, a pick, and a fumble recovery. He gave me an opportunity, and I read it perfectly. And it should be noted that Newton did not complete a pass of longer than 17 yards in that game, but he said he didn't even think about his surgically repaired shoulder during the game, simply took what the defense gave him. So it really comes down to do you believe Cam on that or not. But I will not take Carolina on the number. I will take Carolina in a tease uh, with the teaser coming up. All right. Let us begin with the best bets of the week. can start with you, Mr. Palm, sir. What do you got? What's your number one? I'm going to go against your best bet last week, and I'm going to take San Francisco in a second straight road game, catching two at Cincinnati. I was very impressed with the retooled 49ers defense last week against the said Buccaneers that we discussed from the Thursday night game. I thought they totally dominated that game. Yes, they did have two pick sixes, but think about this. You know, Frisco had two turnovers of, of their own, and they had three touchdowns called back by penalty in that game. I think Kittle is so effective and such a, a safety net for Garoppolo when they go on the road. Cincinnati was competitive in Seattle, but remember that fluke touchdown before the half on that on that Hail Mary, and then they really did not move the ball much in the second half where they were much more successful in the first half. I think San Francisco is the better side here, and you're going to catch a couple of points, so I'll make them my top play. 
Yeah, it's an interesting line because it's sort of similar. San Francisco's on the road against a non-division opponent. Was right around to pick them last week. Maybe one point either way. Here, a consensus on this right now, as you just mentioned. Let's just get a consensus number. Is uh, San Francisco plus two. Uh, so you're on the Niners. And by the way, just to clarify what Mike said, I was on the Bengals as my number one best bet on the Megapod last week. I did have the Niners in Circa. Todd, your best bet of the week. My best bet of the week all depends on whether I'm going to get two and a half or three in this Bears game. Are we counting the Bears as two and a half? Consensus right now, two and a half, yes. Okay. Then I would like the Chicago Bears. And I'm going to say you're going to have a heart attack. That's my Chicago accident. Uh, You're going to have a heart attack if you have the Denver Broncos this week. And here's why. The Chicago Bears held Mr. Aaron Rodgers. You may have heard of him. All-state commercials. He was only able to get 10 points against them in a game where their offense did nothing for them, which makes it even harder for a defense in the NFL to stop somebody as good as Aaron Rodgers when your offense isn't even doing anything for you. And they held him to only 10 points. I believe they can hold Denver to somewhere between minus two and minus five points during this game. If it was possible to get minus points in an NFL game, they'd be able to do it because Joe Flacco, He's going to get his head torn off. I don't want to hear about the altitude. I don't want to hear about the elevation in September. I don't want to hear about Denver nonsense. It's not a good football team. Vic Fangio is going to be a disaster. Give me the Chicago Bears, the Bears. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for cleaning up altitude and correcting that television. Appreciate that. And Vic Fangio, can we just say... I compared him on a numbers game at Visa, and I said he's like every middle American or middle-aged man in a museum walking around with a fanny pack with his hands clenched behind his back, walking slowly from painting to painting. It just feels like he is in over his head. Denver was down 15 in the fourth quarter driving against the Raiders and decided to kick a field goal to go down 12 instead of obviously going for a touchdown because what's the point of getting down 12? Yeah, that was fun. That was very fun. Uh, so all, all well said, I understand all that. Uh, by the way, about your game, uh, Mike, does it give you pause? I'm, I'm just going to try to play devil's advocate on the Niners. I like the Niners, too. I was on them last week. 11 penalties, 97 yards. They were plagued by penalties in the preseason. They had a lot of penalties last year. they got to clean that up eventually, don't they? Yeah, it'll cost them at some point, Gil, because it's just too slow. That game was almost unwatchable in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, it seemed like there was a two, two out of every three plays had a penalty. Uh, to your point, uh, Gil, that you made about Fangio and the, the guy from the Midwest with the fanny pack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brent said on my guys, uh, you know, because obviously he called the game in Oakland that it was quite a scene. You know, this is Fangio's first time being on the sideline and first time as a head coach. Just trying to get him hooked up with all the equipment. It took like six or seven minutes. They couldn't get the belt on him. And (laughs) he said he felt very badly for him. So terrible. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great detail. Um, My my best bet of the week, and I just kind of landed on this this morning. I don't know. I just sort of looked at it, and I was like, why am I not playing this as my best bet? I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm curious uh, how you guys feel about this. Pittsburgh right now, they are four-point favorites consensus. You might be able to find three-and-a-half out there, but they are consensus four-point favorites at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle did exactly what I thought they would last week in that game against the Bengals. I just don't think they have enough offense to get away from teams, certainly not to cover a nine-point spread what it was last week against the Bengals. And the Steelers 
couldn't have looked worse against the New England Patriots. They got absolutely beat down 33-3. to Mike Tomlin had a Vic Fangio moment. 10-17 left in the third quarter. They were down 20 to nothing. Tomlin says, you know, fourth and one here at the, uh, at the, goal, at the one-yard line? Let's kick a field goal. You know, why not? That'll make it 20-3. to We won't get shut out. And then four plays for scrimmage later, Brady to door set, 58 yards. Katie barred the door. So, you know, the Steelers had five full possessions in the first half, and they punted on four of them. I think they went three and out three times as well. I just think they couldn't look worse. I don't think they're that bad of a football team. I think they get it together against the Seattle team that even at home where they're supposed to be super awesome had to eke it out against a Bengals squad that I don't think is really going to scare anybody as this season progresses. I think Pittsburgh shows that they are the team I thought they were before that game against New England. I'll take the Steelers. I'll give the four points. I felt in watching the opening of a numbers game this morning that that's where you were going to land, and you sort of talked yourself into it right on the air. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm high on the, I was high on the Steelers. Uh, before the season, and I and I just said, I think I'm throwing out game one. I just have to throw it out. It's very hard. That game's supposed to really be played Thursday night with the defending Super Bowl champion opening at home, and they didn't do it this year. They moved it to Sunday night. That's a very tough atmosphere. Anytime you go in and play the defending Super Bowl champion in their home opener, they sort of got overwhelmed, and so I'm I'm striking that, and uh, I, I, I agree with your play, Gil. You know, before the Antonio Brown allegations came out yesterday was it yesterday or was it the day before i can't even remember anymore so it happened so tuesday yeah tuesday so on on tuesday morning before they came out i had michael lombardi who'll be on the megapod by the way this year several times but i had michael lombardi on the show uh Vincent's own michael lombardi and i asked him hey let's say we lived in a bizarro world where you couldn't sign antonio brown before the weekend and let's say the steelers you know Got, uh, so let's say the Patriots crushed the Steelers as they did 33-3 to with their fleet of wide receivers. And then Tuesday morning I asked them, I go, knowing that, would they still, if signing became open today, would they still sign Antonio Brown given that they did so well and they had to make the calculus, do we really want this, this annoyance? And he said, oh yeah, they've been targeting him the whole time, they'd still sign him. And then 24 hours later, after the uh, sexual misconduct allegations came out, I sort of asked openly, now what would Lombardi say? Would they really want this distraction after that? And I have to think, at that point, they probably wouldn't if they were given truth serum. But right now he's playing. I don't know what's going to happen between now and, and Sunday. I have no guess on that. If you had to guess, Todd, do you think he makes it to this weekend? I don't think he's going to play this weekend, but I don't know. You know, it's so hard to figure this nonsense out. It just gets aggravating. Um, I mean, I don't think he should play this weekend. I, first of all, I don't even think she should be, be on the Patriots in the first place. The whole thing stinks. And where's David Stern when we need him to void a trade he should void, <laughs> like he did with the Chris Paul trade? You know, we need some type of uh, you know commissioner in here to to not allow guys to just pick their own teams. It's just not fair. So from the beginning, I don't think this was fair. Now, whether he's going to play on Sunday. You know, I, I don't even know. Yeah. But I did want to say something about the Steelers. Um, Please. The Steelers scare me a little bit. As you know, I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I will bet against them if I think they're no good. Last week, I didn't trust them. They never beat the Patriots. Um, you know, I have a feeling the Steelers may be on the downside. I know everyone was, was so big on the Steelers this year. Oh, you know, Ben wants to prove he can do it with Le without Le'Veon, without Antonio, blah, blah, blah. 
But to get beat down like that, I know the Patriots' defense is good, but three points, and, you know, when did we ever say Juju Smith-Schuster was a number one? He may not be. So I really want to see what we get out of Pittsburgh this week. This will be a very interesting game. Yeah, should be noted the Antonio Brown thing has nothing to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, but it was just sort of a parenthetical aside uh, having to do with the Patriots, who on guessing lines with Chrissy, for those who uh, listened to that show this week, that was one of my four where, you know, I guessed 17 and a half, sight unseen, and he said, no, it's 16 and a half. And I said, give me Patriots, like, give it to me. Give it to me right now. And he said he thought sharp bettors would, would take the Dolphins at 16 and a half. And I said, well, if they're doing that, that's just muscle memory, and that's too cool for school. And sure enough, the line not only came to me at 17 and a half, but has gone through me. It's at 19. So we'll see if uh, that is among our best bets from uh, the crew today. We shall see. Number two best bet, Mr. Palm. What do you got? I have a question before number two. Please. What do you do on Sunday night? You go into a sensory deprivation chamber, so you have no yes. way of knowing what the numbers are? That's exactly what I do. I get off Twitter. This I've been doing this for years. I completely get off Twitter. So what I do is I go into... I put get all my notes for guessing lines because I have all these random stats that I give. It's pretty pretty thorough. And so I go into the box scores and the recaps of every single game. And so I stay away from actually looking at the line. I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning. I go to work. And then I just guess. Sometimes I'm embarrassed by my guesses. Sometimes not so much. That's interesting because I was I was listening Monday morning and I thought, well, well he's guessing lines that were out. I don't get it. So thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no, you got it. That's what we've been doing. My number, my number two pick is really 1A. I, I really couldn't separate these. I like these equally, but I, I decided to go with the 49ers. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills staying in New Jersey to play the Giants. As everyone knows, uh, the record crowd that listened to this podcast last week, my top play was the Giants getting a touchdown from the Cowboys. So I, uh, I got to watch in horror as the Giants defense barely uh, took the field in that game. I mean, there was no semblance that at any time they were ever going to stop the Cowboys or that at any time they were ever going to cover anyone. I mean, they were making uh, Dak Prescott look like Joe Montana. Uh, this is just a horrific, horrific defense. And what their game plan is for Eli, I have no idea. Um, I mean, if they think that they want to get him on the move and that's going to save his career, uh, I was impressed. I mean, the Bills were down 16 to nothing in a game that looked like they, you know, they just struggled in an ugly defensive game with the Jets and then were were able to put it together in the fourth quarter and rally and make every stop and uh, and get the job done there. I was I was more impressed with Josh Allen than I was with uh, Darno in that game, and I think the Bills are clearly the better side here. And they're you know let's face it, the Giants at home are are not really a home field advantage because the fan base so disgusted with them. You'll have plenty of Bills fans in that crowd, and uh, and I think again the better side, and you're only laying a point and a half. So my number two best bet are the Buffalo Bills. Why are they playing Eli Manning? Why are they playing Eli Manning? Well, like, what good does this do them? I have no idea why Daniel Jones is not playing. To your point about their defense, Mike, the Giants gave up touchdown drives of 75, 93, 83, 75, and 89 yards on five consecutive possessions from the first through the third quarters uh, against the Cowboys last week. That is not good, I'm told. Uh, and then Buffalo... They went down 16 to nothing. Josh Allen, four turnovers in a six-drive span in the first half. Two were fumbles, two were picks. Uh, but the Bills' defense was really good, so they kept it close. It was only 6 to nothing despite all those turnovers. And then the Bills were also minus three in turnovers. 
uh, their turnover differential, and I think one of them was just a like a nonsense last play of the game. So really, it was minus four, and they still won. That game changed when uh, Jets middle linebacker C.J. Mosley went out of the game. So you're on Buffalo uh, at the Giants, and that number consensus right now is uh, one and a half. One and a half in favor of the visiting Bills. You are on the Bills. Todd, what's your number two? My number two pick is the Gardner Minshew Show. Oh, no. And that is, wow. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars plus the nine against the Houston Texans. Now, why do I like this? The Houston Texans uh, are, you know, put, put, put the Saints game out of your mind for a minute. The Houston Texans are a defensive team. And Bill O'Brien likes to run the football, tries to protect his quarterback. He doesn't usually win by margin. The Jacksonville Jaguars got whacked against KC. There were guys wide open, but Kansas City did that all year last year. So I'm going to throw that out, and I'm going to say Jacksonville's really not as bad on defense as they look on Sunday. And I'm going to take them plus nine against a team, to me, that is not a team that likes to win by margin. And nine points is a lot of points in a National Football League game. Uh, you know, Houston has to have a come down after that Monday night game, which was just a thriller uh, in Saints land. Uh, to me, I feel like this is just way too many points. And Minshew did not look overwhelmed. If Minshew had looked overwhelmed, then I would stay away from this. But Minshew, to me, did not really look that bad. He did have two uh backdoor touchdown drives which may not mean anything but while the game was still in the balance he was playing pretty well also so i'm gonna go with the plus nine to me it's just too many points i don't hate it and by the way who am i to argue with you todd you went two and one we went one and two so you know you're leader in the clubhouse uh to your point about gardner Minshew, 22 of 25 those are phil sims super bowl numbers 22 of 25 for 275 yards two touchdowns a pick uh for those who missed it nick Foles broke his clavicle after eight, just eight passes uh, I said on Guessing Lines, winning the Sam Bradford Predictable Injury Award. Uh, Chris Jones hit him as he released a 35-yard touchdown pass to DJ Chark. Chark was great, by the way. Four catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Jones landing on Foles, by the way, did not draw a flag. Foles expected and uh, will be on injured reserve now. He was expected, and he was placed on injured reserve. He's not eligible to play again for the Jags until Week 11. None of that matters for this game, though, where it is Minshew. The one thing I, I mentioned to Mike about the penalties with the Niners, 10 penalties for the Jaguars, 71 yards. Got to clean that up, but that is a lot of points. I'll give you that. Jacksonville catching nine consensus at the Houston Texans, who are looking to avenge that uh, heartbreaking loss to the to the Saints on Monday night. That was something. My number two, gentlemen, is the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings at Green Bay. They're catching three here. Now, would I be surprised if the Green Bay Packers won this game? No, I wouldn't be surprised. It's a division game. Uh, wouldn't shock me. But you're giving the Vikings three? I will happily take the three here. I was very surprised that it was a three-point spread in favor of the Packers. It is a division game. Division games in a, in a past time used to sort of default to three points, but those times are done. I guessed that this would be a pick em after Minnesota's great performance against the Falcons last week and Green Bay's, you know, sketchy performance, let's call it against Chicago. Probably better football team than they showed. I give you that. But Minnesota, Kirk Cousins dropped back 11 times in that game against the Falcons. He ended up 8 of 10 for 98 yards. He was very cool about it afterwards. He was like, hey, we just do what we need to to win. 
Gary Kubiak and Mike Zimmer were very honest before the regular season where they said, look, we're going to run the ball. We are looking to establish the run, and they did just that in their opener against the Falcons. Dalvin Cook, 21 for 111, two touchdowns. Cook, who had missed 17 of his first 32 games to injury as a pro. They, too, by the way, had a lot of penalties, 11 for 100. But Anthony Harris had two interceptions, a fumble recovery. Green Bay in their win against the Bears oh so long ago. This is extra rest here for the Packers. 17 pressures by their defense on Mitch Trubisky, 11 by new players. But on offense against that vaunted Bears defense, 3.7 yards per play. They should do better than that, one would imagine, moving forward. They were outgained in that game, 254 to 213. Still won it, though. We have gone over the Trubisky woes already. But you're giving me three points. I get it. It's Aaron Rodgers. I'll happily take my shot with this Vikings defense. And Cousins having so many weapons at his disposal, you're giving me the three. I'll take the three. Minnesota's my second pick. Todd, your thoughts? I just am scared to take uh, Kirk Cousins uh, against Aaron Rodgers in the crazy Green Bay environment. Uh, You know, last year at at Green Bay, it should have been a 29-21 win for Green Bay, but they had that horrible Clay Matthews call that ended up being a tie. To me, I'm just too scared of that game, so I'll I'll stay away on that. I like that they're catching him in the warm weather, not in cold Green Bay. I'll take the three. Mike? I'd like to comment on uh, Todd's second pick. Please. And I looked I looked at that game as part of my teaser. I didn't use it, but I like his side there. You know, I think what people aren't talking about uh out of out of week 1 was just how good Mahomes was. Jacksonville beat the living bedavid out of this guy. I mean, they were hitting him high, low and he was completing all these passes. It was like a Herculean effort that I don't think that uh, Deshaun uh, Watson is going to repeat against that defense. I think that defense got a little bit more skewered uh, in the thoughts of, 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 of our betters than really they deserved to be because Mahomes was that good. But, but I, I like his side there. And then in, in your game, I think that's going to be a tough game. I wish that was a, a, a one thirty game instead of a 10 a.m. Pacific. This is a horrific lineup this week oh. with 10 early games and three late. This is a great game, and it should be it should be kicking at at one thirty Pacific. I mean, that's a central time zone. There's no reason they couldn't have made that a feature game as well. Todd and I were talking about this off air uh, this week. <laughs> the fact that the NFL last week was perfect, right? Seven early games, oh. five afternoon games. Then you had the, you know, in addition to the Thursday night, you had the two Monday night games. That is the perfect NFL schedule. And now here we are, week two, right back to the 10 early games and the three afternoon games. What good does that do for anybody? Can we just get a lawyer uh, who's listening right now to start a class action lawsuit against the NFL for pain and suffering and dude for <laughs> 10 games at one time? Because the pain and suffering on a 10 and 3 is ridiculous. Jeez. How are you going to watch 10 games at one time and do in-game on all of them? It's too hard. And I'd like to do a class action lawsuit for pain and suffering. Don't they know that we bet on these things? Do they have any idea that we bet on these things, do you think? You know, it's it's also no good for industry. For all these bars and restaurants that do business on Sundays or casinos and that, it's horrific when you get down to three games because it really thins out your afternoon crowd and it doesn't spread out your business. So it's no good for commerce as well. No good for commerce as well. Excellent use of Herculean, by the way, Mike, as well. I think it's Herculean. Yeah, I think it's Herculean. I think he's right. You didn't like my, they, they beat the living bedavid out of him. I was trying to be respectful <laughs> and not say bejesus and go with one of your kings instead of a false prophet. Thank you. Thank you. That was very considerate of you. Very considerate. The true Jesus is Baker Mayfield, and he got whacked last week. 
Uh, I like the comments about Jacksonville, though, because I do think it needs to be stated. Overreaction week, right? Like, we can't look at what happened in in, uh, week one. A, we can't overreact, and B, we actually have to sort of focus on what did we actually see, right? Like, don't focus on the final. And you're right, they beat up Patrick Mahomes. He had to leave the game at one point. I didn't know that he was going to come back. He did because youth is an amazing thing. But it looked like he got hit in the leg pretty bad, but he was right back in there doing his thing. What's your What's your third pick, Mike? I'm going to go to a total here, and I'm going to use Todd's uh, number one pick game the, at Denver. And I'm going to go under 41 with the Broncos and the Bears for, for many of the reasons Todd stated. You know, watching that game on Monday night, it, it was apparent early on uh, that Joe Flacco is just not interested in being an NFL quarterback, doesn't want to be in Denver, doesn't really care to throw the ball above anybody's ankles. That point specifically killed me. And uh, it's not really interested in winning. I mean, this was terrible. It's, it makes Jay Cutler's body language look good. They were, they were awful. Um, what, what more, what are the Bears going to do to them, what the Raiders did to them? You're right, Todd. Lost, lost in that game is a historic game against Aaron Rodgers and how they held him down. And then and then uh, I don't think Denver's defense will be as bad as it was against Oakland as well. I think they will generate a pass rush. They can't do this for two games in a row. Fangio is still a respected defensive mind. I think this is an extremely low-scoring game. When thinking about this, I thought this game would be something like 17-12 to 12 or 20-12 to 12 Bears. So I thought it would go well under the 41. I envision that Denver will kick four field goals maybe if they can get there. I think Fangio has some sort of a tie-in with the McManus bonus clause that he just wants to keep trying field goals. <laughs> so uh, under the 41 is my third best pick. Under 41, Chicago-Denver. All right. Pick number three. Todd, pick number three. I, I want to I say I like that one by, by Mike for obvious reasons. Um, okay. here My third pick is a total as well, and I'm going to your rematch of last year's NFC Championship game, the New Orleans Saints over the 52. Now, if you guys remember, last year, I believe these teams played in the regular season. The final score, I believe, was 45 to 35. That's 80 points. And the NFC Championship game, the game was in the mid-20s, I believe, but, you know, could have easily been more. So, to me, early in the season... Well, it's not, you know, playoff, uh, you know, playoff, uh, you know, stress. It's more, you know, it's not, it's not as crazy a defensive game. I think the Rams in the second half got off the schneid and started moving the ball on the road against a tough Carolina defense. I think they'll be able to move it against New Orleans. As we saw, New Orleans, uh, you know, give up a touchdown in 37 seconds to uh, Mr. Deshaun Watson at the end of the game, which was a travesty of justice, but it happened nonetheless. I don't think New Orleans' defense is that great. I think the Rams will get up into the mid-20s, high-20s, and I think that the Saints will also get up into the high-20s. So I'm going to go over the 52 in uh, L.A. I usually am scared to take the Saints in bad weather, but it's not going to be bad weather, or on grass, for that matter. It's going to be good weather. So, you know, I like the over. And I'm told that uh, playoff game between the Saints and the Rams ended ignominiously. I just wanted to use that word. Uh, yeah, that was the, obviously the uh, the play that caused the NFL to now review pass interference or to allow the review of pass interference as the Saints got hosed a year after the Minnesota Miracle knocked him out of the playoffs. So uh, you like the over there. Mike likes the under in Chicago-Denver. 
let me before I get my third pick, let me tell you what nearly was a pick but missed the cut, which therefore means they're guaranteed to win. I, against my better judgment, think very hard about playing the Lions. The Lions who destroyed those of us who had them last week as they snatched a tie from the jaws of victory. Detroit, two and a half points catching versus the Chargers. My thinking here is very simple, and the reason that I thought about taking Detroit, they're not my third pick, but I thought about them, is that the Chargers are just losing bodies left and right. Hunter Henry is now gone for four to six weeks. Mike Williams has knee problems. This, of course, already on the heels of Russell Okung being out, not to mention Melvin Gordon holdout. So many things with the Chargers. And by the way, Anthony Lynn's still their coach. For, so for every Matt Patricia comment, I, uh, I point-counterpoint you with Anthony Lynn. So I thought about the Lions ultimately is stay-away game for me. I also thought about the Redskins on guessing lines. I said, hey, uh, if this gets to six... I'm all about the Redskins, and I am starting to see the first sixes flash up on the screen. It's still not a consensus six. It's a consensus five and a half. But if it gets to six, that might be enough for me to play the Redskins. Just not going to make that pick now. So, uh, call me square. Kansas City giving seven, still seven, a slight consensus over seven and a half. Seven. At Oakland, I'm taking the Chiefs. For all the reasons you stated about Patrick Mahomes, there is nothing about the Chiefs game, even without Tyreek Hill. There was nothing about their performance yesterday that leads me to believe they can't just run the Raiders off the court. Mahomes, 25 of 33, 378, three touchdowns, no picks. Most of those yards were in the first half. Uh, Shady, LaShawn McCoy, 10 of 81. He's going to get a lot of run. And Sammy Watkins, nine catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns. Mahomes completed passes to nine receivers, even though Watkins had uh, most of the highlights. Tyreek, though, out for a few weeks, that for sure. But I don't think the Raiders are good. I don't think that even after they beat the statue that was Joe Flacco. I'm taking Kansas City in a division game, on the road, everything you're not supposed to do, and I'm laying the seven. How about that? So that's my third pick. We'll see how we go. Todd was 2-1 and one last week. Mike and I, we were 1-2. and two. Forget the Lions. Forget the Eagles. It's a results-oriented business, but I would have made the same picks again. I really would have. Like, there's nothing about those games. The Eagles, when, we were, when they were down 17 to nothing, I said, I bet you they win. I still think they cover. And they would have covered had it not been for the Redskins giving up a 4th and 6 and 4th and 12 on that final garbage drive. But that is the NFL. And that's, that's the main point I want to say about the NFL. If I didn't have Bianca Andreescu in the U.S. Open women's final last week or brain-dead MLB parlays, thank God I had those because the NFL and college football destroyed me. It was a quick reminder. Everything that could go your way is going to go against you. Todd, you had a great point about backdoors on a numbers game yesterday. Would you like to repeat that? Yeah, sure. The, the backdoor touchdown to me has become you know, such an epidemic now because – the NFL has made the game so offensive-minded, point of ridiculous. It's so hard to get a stop in an NFL game. And then once your team is ahead by enough late, the, the guys just decide that they're not going to you know, buckle down and try to get stops anymore. So here's who had backdoor touchdowns last week. Carolina down 30-20, to 20, got one to, to lose 30-27 to 27 to the Rams. Denver got one against the Raiders to lose by, I believe, uh, eight points. Jacksonville had two touchdowns against the Chiefs on the backdoor variety. The Redskins had the aforementioned backdoor that hurt Gill's feelings. The Falcons had two backdoors against Minnesota. The Giants had a backdoor against Dallas. The only two teams that didn't really get backdoors were the, the Miami Dolphins, who some might say are not an NFL team, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
who had just thrown a pick six to go down 31-14, had two minutes left to get a backdoor and didn't get one. But it's kind of understandable because at that point, you know, that all the air was pulled out of the balloon. So, you know, basically what I'm saying here is if there was an opportunity for a backdoor, it almost happened every single uh, scenario. And if you remember last year, it happened a ton last year as well. So please be careful, especially if you're laying big numbers. Don't make the mistake I made in the Raider game where I had minus 10 because I had the second half line, which was Raiders plus four. The only way that's safe is if the Raiders are up 18. Unfortunately, the Raiders were up 15, and I took a, a you know a tough beat there. And so, be very careful when you're when you're in the, especially like a game like Houston Jacksonville. It's going to be minus nine. If if they're only down by 15 late, you're in a lot of trouble because these back doors are an epidemic. You said that uh, you know you you related to the uh, the touchdown cushion. How many times during a bet do you guys think about the the one score cushion of your bet? Like if you're up. Like I'm constantly thinking about that when I have a, a, a bet going. Am I one freak play? Like, can I withstand a freak play? And until I'm at that point, I never feel comfortable with any of these bets in the NFL. Never. As always, guys, support for today's show comes from Bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to 30 years. Pro players consider them a must because their first to post odds take the highest limits and pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. That is huge. Bookmaker's a high-volume sportsbook best suited for the sophisticated player, also caters to large recreational players, and their motto is always, is where the lines originate, because chances are the sportsbook at which you've been betting follows their lines. Pretty damn good chance, as a matter of fact. And right now, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash g-i-l-l, You'll claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash gill to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. You will not regret it. Betting the only way I know how, the indispensable, bookmaker.eu. Check it out. Thank me later. Teaser time. Teaser of the week. Mike, we start with you. What do you got? I'll do like you, do, Gil, and give the honorable mentions like you like to do on this show. So yes. I, I, I had I had a group of four here that I had to pick two out of. And I, so I'll tell you the ones I didn't use. I thought very hard about taking the the uh, the Jets plus 13 now with this line movement. I think it is an overreaction to this. I don't think Simeon is maybe as bad as he looked under Vance Joseph. That's a lot of points against a Freddie Kitchens team. Uh, on the road and then the other one was Todd's game I thought about I thought about teasing the Jaguars up to 16 in that game Um, but here's what I did end up with I ended up uh, teasing the Ravens down to six against the Cardinals I still think that uh, I still think Kyler Murray and Kingsbury are who we thought they were for the first three quarters of that game before uh, Matt Patricia decided to go into a prevent for 18 minutes And and uh, and and I think Baltimore is an underrated place to play. I mean, you think about two stadiums that are not far apart, with one being very little home field advantage, and with the Redskins, and then the Ravens. I think that that is a very passionate crowd and a tough place to play. And then the other one is your play, Gil. I tease the Chiefs down to a pick against the Raiders. I don't see how the Raiders win this game. I think the Chiefs will 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 score in the 30s there. So I'm gonna. I'm going to take the Ravens and Chiefs in my two-team teaser. Are we doing six-point or seven-point? Six-pointers. Six-pointers. Okay, because because I see Baltimore at minus 13, which would only move them down to seven, and Kansas City at seven, which would move them down to minus one. Am I wrong? Well, that's, that's correct, Ed. So six, well, seven, and one. The one is fine. 
So six to seven and one. And let me clarify something I said last week because I think in my haste I uh, misspoke, but I hope people got the essence of it, which is uh, when you go to the Stanford Wong teasers, that the positive EV, the plus EV teasers in the NFL are teasing home favorites of more than seven down through the seven and the three. And both home and road dogs back up through the three and the seven, so you get more than seven points. I may have misspoke on that last week in in haste, but I hope I hope everybody got the uh, the correct uh, meaning of it. What Mike is doing right there as a long term proposition is not a plus EV thing to take a road favorite of se- of of seven or in this case it's seven, but usually seven and a half or more, we're talking about down through the seven and the three. That's usually not, like long-term, that's not plus EV. But in this case, I like it a lot, obviously, based on my pick. Todd, what do you got? Yeah, can I mention one other thing about teasers? I, I learned this last year, and I don't know if all the books do this the same way. But if you tie, for instance, in Mike's, if he takes the Ravens down from 13 to seven, and the Ravens win by seven, Kansas City covers the tease number, I heard that at some books you you get a push and some you actually lose. Is that true? You really have to check the rules of your sports book. MGM, for instance, because I used to talk to Jay Rude about this all the time. I don't know if the rule still exists. But Jay Rude, if there was a – I'm trying to remember the scenario. If there was a tie and a loss, I don't think he won. Yeah, it's a push. It's a, a tie push. And a loss on a teaser is a push. Is a push. Now that's not the yes. rule offshore, but like you really have to check the rules of the sports books, whether le- whether uh, legal ones here in the United States, whether offshore ones, because everybody plays it a little differently. And that used to chap Jay's hide all the time that he would have to give that money back. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up because it, it, I was looking at Mike's game as well, the Ravens game to move it down to seven. But I was thinking, but it could easily push. And, I, and I, that made me remember that whole thing about the controversy about the pushes. But anyway, um, I can, can you want me to give you my teaser now, Gil? Please. Okay. My teaser is going to be the Kansas City. I know it's not the, the EV you know, proper thing. I just don't see the Kansas City Chiefs losing at the Raiders. Yeah, you know, it's, I agree with I just, it. So KC minus one. Uh, and then I'm going to move the Carolina Panthers for tonight down to uh, one as well. So basically the Carolina Panthers from seven down to one, KC from seven down to one, and there's my two-teamer. Um, and hopefully I get as lucky as I did this week when uh, you know the youth then hit the field goal to cover the other side of my tees. Yeah, I'm going all Stanford Wong teaser on this. I am taking Carolina, as I said at the beginning of the show. Carolina is one of the legs. Tees it down to one. In this game against Tampa Bay, Carolina, as you said, even in defeat last week, Todd, maybe should have won that game this past Sunday. Is that too bold of a statement? Do you think that maybe they should have won it? I could. I think they could have easily won the game. You give a team a 14-point lead that's as good as the Rams, and you still were in the game, so why couldn't they have won? Yeah, and, and for me, Carolina being 0-1, this is a home game, primetime, standalone. They're not trying to go 0-2. They're going to win this football game. Jameis is on the other side of the field, and I will say this, you know, some bets you have to be willing to lose, and if Jameis can beat me, tip of the cap, prove me wrong. So Carolina's one of the legs on this. The other one is the Sunday night game. I'm taking Atlanta, and I'm going to tease that through the three and the seven. So I'm going to tease it to eight and take the homestanding Falcons plus eight. I know they couldn't have looked any worse than they did against the Vikings last week. They were down 28 to nothing before they got the garbage 12 points. And Philadelphia, who I have in the Super Bowl, I really do. Um, This is not a shot at the Eagles at all, 
But I like the Falcons getting a full eight at home, primetime Sunday night. So it's the Panthers for me, the Falcons Sunday night tied into that. Panthers, Falcons, my teaser of the week. Y'all ready for the final two questions here that we wrap up every show with? And by the way, people should know, uh, we will have rotating guests this year as well. We're just changing it up a little. We won't have them as often, but um, we will have Michael Lombardi on the show. We will have uh, the Brady Cannons of the world on the show. Maybe get to producer number five, Jeff Parles, in here as well. We'll do that as well. Maybe we can coax Fortinball. I don't know what Fortinball's rules are anymore, but maybe he can come on the show. But we'll get the uh, all-star cast in here for rotating. Final two questions, though, gentlemen. Let us begin with the, uh, the one about the big favorites. Which of the big favorites, defined by a touchdown or more, is the most likely, in your opinion, to lose outright? Not saying you're saying that it will, but which is the most likely to lose outright? Starts with tonight's Thursday night game, Carolina, touchdown favorites, seven-point favorites over the Buccaneers. Then Sunday morning, Houston, nine-point favorites hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, or as some people like to call them, the Jaguars. Never understood that. Uh, Baltimore, 13-point favorites over the Cardinals. And then the biggest favorite on the board, the New England Patriots. We all stayed away from this game at its current line. Patriots are 18-and-a-half, let's call it, consensus. This is actually, like, steadied out at 18-and-a-half. 18-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Then uh, Sunday afternoon, Kansas City, 7-point road favorites against the Raiders. And then we'll throw, should we throw in the Monday night as part of that? Just to make it interesting, let's yes. do that. Cleveland, <laughs> make it easy for you. Cleveland, six and a half point favorites now with the Sam Darnold mononucleosis situation. Trevor Simeon is your starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns at the New York Jets. Throw them in there. Which is the most likely to lose outright, in your opinion, of that group, Mike? The Fighting O'Briens from Houston. The Fighting O'Briens from Houston. More of an anti-O'Brien or pro-Jacksonville decision for you? Uh, it's a combination, but I think Jacksonville, uh, it's an overreaction, this nine. And Jacksonville went up against, as I said before, a great effort by Mahomes and, and, and an offense that's on another level. So I, I'm not sold on that Texans. Uh, I thought they were pretty against New Orleans, actually. They got the benefit of that turnover inside the 10 in the first half. Second half, they just absolutely shredded them. Uh, down drives their first three possessions. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Brownies. Uh, Trevor Simeon, I watched a lot of Trevor Simeon last year. He's, you know, slightly below average quarterback. He's not going to really throw too many picks. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like a, the John Fox of quarterbacks. If you remember John Fox, he would play very, very, <laughs> to, you know, tight to the vest. And he would win you seven, eight games because his teams would never turn the ball over. So I'm, I, you know, in the NFL, if you just don't turn the ball over and you wait for the other team to make mistakes, you can just win accidentally. It's amazing, and win, isn't it? Yeah, you can win seven, eight games just by not making mistakes. I think the Jets' game plan is going to be Trevor Simeon. Don't try to be a hero. Don't try to lose the game. And let's hope Jesus himself, Baker Mayfield, can throw a couple picks. And maybe the Jets could theoretically win that game. Yeah. By the way, if the Dallas Cowboys were in that group, if they had were just a tick or so a point higher, I would have picked the Dallas Cowboys on the road at Washington because I think that would be way too high. Uh, but because they're not in it, my answer will be the, and I don't expect this to happen, but my answer would be the Cleveland Browns as well. Cleveland Browns on Monday night. Let's see something from them. Let's see a win here. Let's see Freddie Kitchens get through a game here with a win before I get all crazy about them. And I'm with you. I don't think that the move 
from Darnold to Simeon was justified. I think it's an overreaction. Trevor Simeon, as you say, is a, you know, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. Got to figure out the status on C.J. Mosley, though. That's the big thing right now. Is C.J. Mosley playing in this football game? Because when he went out of that game against the Bills, that entire thing changed. And right now, if you uh, if you get the status on C.J. Mosley, as we do this podcast, and we're doing it, for those who don't know, about 11 a.m., Pacific Thursday morning. The status on C.J. Mosley, who left the field with a groin injury on Sunday, very questionable right now. We do not know what his story is. There is nothing definitive on Mosley. You guys seeing anything on him? By the way, while you look up the update on Mosley, if this game leaks to seven, which I which I suspect it may on Monday night, I, I have to bet the Jets. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. Seven points. You know, you're gonna make a you're gonna make a five point adjustment for Darnold to Simeon. That's ludicrous. Sam Darnold is not a great quarterback, folks. Let me go to Roto Wire. Let me go to the fantasy people because that's probably the way to go to actually. Because I'm looking for actual reportage on this. It's amazing how frustrating that can be. By the way, you like the reportage? By the way, reportage. Uh, C.J. Mosley, Roto Wire. Here's the latest. Got to go to the fantasy people for the for the real deal. Questionable. That's the official status. So nobody knows is basically what we're saying here Thursday morning. But that would be the answer to the question for me on that would be the Cleveland Browns, most likely the big favorites to lose outright. Final question. If you could bet, Mike, we live in a bizarro world. There's 16 games. You were forced to make a side bet on 15 of them, but you got one free pass, one game you wouldn't even bet with my money. What game would that be? It's the Dolphins-Patriots game. I just, I, this number, I thought about it. Would I even tease the Dolphins up to 24 and a half? I, I just can't. This is an NFL game, and these are still professional athletes, whether they're semi-intentionally tanking, intensely tanking, whether this is the best Patriots defense since 04. I can't touch this game. This number is just its not in my comprehension. Such a great thing to ask yourself. Would you even tease this to 24.5? It's so true. It's so true. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I would. Todd, same question. i, I got to go with the L.A. Chargers-Detroit game. The L.A. Chargers have, you know, we talked about this on, on a numbers game. They do Charger-esque things to keep the other team in the game. They started off again this year. Three bizarro plays in the last uh, 15 and a half minutes of the game. A fumbled punt, a pick in the end zone, and then you can't make an easy tackle at the 18-yard line. The Chargers are just a team that you just scared to death when they have the lead and you're betting on them. And then you've got Detroit, which we all know caused us all tremendous uh, heartache last week. Well, you know, which Detroit is it? They're such a wacko team. You know, you could easily see them being down nine late in cover, you know, with a backdoor touchdown. I just want no part of these two wacko teams. <laughs> two wacko teams. Uh, for me, it's Colts-Titans. Titans favored by three. That's not moving off that number ever. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Tennessee looked great in their win over uh, Cleveland. Uh, we all made uh, second-half bets or halftime bets on that. Vrabel versus Kitchens, that worked out beautifully. But I'm not a big Marcus Mariota guy, or as Mike Tirico insists on uh, referring to him in the Hawaiian pronunciation, Mariota. Then there's Jacoby Brissett and the Colts, who stormed back. And we went through that yesterday on the show about how the Chargers had no business letting him back. But did Jacoby Brissett, by the way, minimum 500 passes in history? The best interception rate in the history of the National Football League. He was 21 of 27, 190 last week, two touchdowns, no picks. T.Y. Hilton was great. Marlon Mack, even better, 25 carries for 174. Put that all in the wash. I just want no part of that game. Indianapolis catching three at Tennessee. 
Gil, I want to ask you and Todd a question if we have time. Please, absolutely. Because, because I've heard different opinions on this. It's not really betting related. But the two, the doubleheader on Monday night got a chance for America to hear two different crews. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, the, the Tessitore Booger McFarland team in the in the booth versus, versus Levy and, uh, and Greasy. I have a strong opinion that one was vastly superior to the other. You believe that the Levy-Greasy pairing was far better, don't you? And I wish we could have them every Monday night. Yeah, Todd Wright, who does my fantasy segment every week on a numbers game Thursdays uh, on VEASAN, who is, in, by my money, the greatest radio host who's ever lived. He was the host of the classic uh, radio show All Night with Todd Wright back on ESPN back in the day. He has a podcast called the Todd Wright Toddcast. And he spent 40 minutes, 40 minutes, eviscerating Booger McFarlane this week. <laughs> Just absolutely eviscerating him. So if you're into that kind of thing, I point you to the Todd Wright Toddcast. But he's with you. He, he is much more about leaving Greasy. I am not a Tessator guy. I think he gets overly excited at times. And Booger doesn't do it for me either. I don't feel as strongly as Todd Wright. But I think by default, I go with the Levy Greasy group. I'm going to go with Bill on that one. Tessator and Booger don't annoy me that much, but Steve Levy, I've always liked Steve Levy, and Brian Greasy's uh, confident. Glad we settled that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you this. It's a hell of a lot better without Jason Witten in the booth because Jason yeah, Witten was awful. I don't like Jason. I'm with you on that. I do not like Jason Witten as an announcer at all. But why did they think Jason Witten would be that good? Why did they get sold on stuff like that? You got me. Did they do any test runs with him? I mean, <laughs> how, how did they make that decision? I don't know. I, I mean, Looks, they made Mitch. They made Mitch and Pauly try out at Vison. They could have at least made Witt, Witten try out. <laughs> As we know, sports media executives are not exactly great at picking out sports media talent. Todd sounds like he has a little double entendre to that, but we'll let that hang. Uh, by the way, you were not taking a shot at Mitch and Pauly. That was actually a compliment to Mitch and Pauly, wasn't it? Absolutely. They've yeah. only been in the business 20 years and have a track record. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad we got all that settled out there. Uh, good luck with all your picks. For Mike Palm, for Todd Wishnev, Megapod, Gil Alexander. Thanks so much for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. 
I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 